A reading from Judges. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. So the Lord sold them into the hand of King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sithera, who lived in Harosheh-Hagoim. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron and had oppressed the Israelites cruelly 20 years. At that time, Deborah, a prophetess, wife of Lippodus, was judging Israel. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take position at Mount Tabor, bringing 10,000 from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun. I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the Wadi Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Thessalonians. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them, as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But... Since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, as indeed you are doing. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven will be as when a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. 
The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, Throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. Isn't that a lovely turn of phrase? It's probably the most famous phrase that Thomas Cramner, the architect of the first book of Common Prayer, ever wrote. And in fact, it has been quoted repeatedly, even in documentation about Shakespeare, and perhaps by Shakespeare himself, and certainly by Shakespearean actors, generation after generation since, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest. It's tempting for us to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest today's gospel reading, interpreting it as how to invest in the spiritual life and to be good stewards of the talents we have received. And if we invest them, as we are supposed to do, we will be rewarded. And we wash that down which helps with the digestion, of course. We wash that down with a good sense of self-righteousness because here we are on a Sunday morning, all gathered faithfully as a Christian people in the pews, are we not? Does that sit warmly in your tummy? It does, but I don't think it's meant to. I don't think it's meant to at all. The curious thing about this parable is that it's written in that context of all the teachings we've been hearing the past several Sundays about keeping awake, 
being watchful, being ready. And this is the penultimate reading for the church here. The last one comes next Sunday, and you have to come back to hear it. I'm not going to give it away. But I want to suggest to you today that this parable is not meant to be warm in our stomach. In fact, for me, it gives me a little bit of spiritual indigestion. Because what scholars tell us is that it's quite possible that when Jesus first gave this teaching, he was giving it to Galilean peasants who knew very well the tendency of absentee landlords and other very wealthy people to leave their servants in charge and to go off somewhere else and then come back and expect what they had invested back many fold over. And if the servants didn't give it to them, they would be thrown out. They would be done. They would be cast out as losers. And so it's very easy to imagine that those Galilean peasants, early in the first century, hearing Jesus teach this for the first time, would not have identified with the faithful servants who invested the talents, but would have identified with the one who took it and buried it in the field and then confronted the master with the truth. You reap where you did not sow, and you expect to collect? Who do you think you are? And we could go even further and suggest that maybe Jesus himself identifies with that unfaithful slave, the one who confronts the powers of this world and ends up thrown out as a result, into the place of crying and gnashing of teeth. Does that turn the parable on its head sufficiently for you? Does it cause you a little bit of spiritual indigestion? It does me, and perhaps it's meant to. This is what parables are for. They're meant to sit in our stomach like a pit for a while and make us uncomfortable and move us out of that place of self-righteousness and self-congratulations enough so that we can recognize that the way that we see the kingdom of God is probably not the way it really is. And in fact, what Matthew wants us to understand and what Jesus, I think, wants us to understand most keenly is that the way of the kingdom is not the way of this world, is not the way of this world. This reading is so deeply familiar to us for two reasons. One of them is it's so vivid, but secondly, because it is eerily familiar to all of us who live in the capitalistic West, right? This is what we do. We invest and we expect a return on our investment. And we frequently invest in companies and in people we never meet. We invest at a distance. And then we expect something back. And when we don't get it, aha, there's the SEC. There's the comeuppance when the investors pull out. There is crying and gnashing of teeth and people lose their jobs. 
This is the way the world works. It is the world of the zero-sum game. It is the world of winners and losers. And this is the world that we are raised in. So it's the world we understand. So it's very natural for us to assume that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, works this way as well. There is always someone who is cast out. And, of course, if we have our I's dotted and our T's crossed, we know it's not us. It's somebody else. Somebody who hasn't been as faithful as we've been. Somebody who has not been as attentive as we have been. Somebody who has not invested as much as we have. Do you see how that traditional interpretation gets us right into the paths of self-righteousness? And I don't think that's where Jesus wants us to go at all. That doesn't jive with anything I understand that's going on in the gospel. So what is Jesus getting at here? And what do we mean when we talk about investing our talents? Do we be good literalists and talk about investing our gifts in community? Well, of course, do we be faithful stewards and talk about investing financially as we do this time of year? Well, of course but not because we're trying to invest for ourselves. That's the way the world understands it. Not because we're trying to invest in a way that creates winners and losers, which is the way the world has always worked. But for some other reason. And for that, I suggest we look back at Paul today, writing to that early Christian community in the middle of the first century in Thessalonica. This small group of people he gathered together around the gospel of Christ. This small group who were expecting Jesus' imminent return. And if you remember from last week, when Jesus did not come back right away, and some of them began to die, they began to worry. What did we sign up for? Because it's quite likely that not only were their expectations not met, but they were experiencing marginalization from the familiar and larger community around them. They probably realized for the first time they'd gone out on a limb, and in a profound way, the limb broke on them. Now what do we do? Who are we? How do we continue? Paul writes to this community that, for all intents and purposes from the world's perspective, is a community of losers, people who have lost, and encourages them. Reminds them that Christ is not just Savior of the living, but is Savior of the dead. And that the way that this world understands winners and losers is not the way of the gospel and is not the way that God sees them at all. God sees them as gift. And Paul tells them to invest not for themselves, but for each other. To encourage and build up one another. People of faith do this because the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of winners and losers, 
but as a kingdom that gathers all together in love, even the marginalized and the oppressed. Look around you for just a moment and see a bunch of people you would... Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. Yeah, the head turns. Yeah, God gave us necks so we can look. You know, are these people that you would ordinarily hang out with? Some of them, yes. All of them, probably not. Not because you don't like them, but you would never meet them otherwise, right? These are people you met here, gathered from all kinds of different walks of life and vocations. Some of us have been on hard times. All of us probably have been, if you talk to us long enough. Some of us are worth more than others in the eyes of the world. Some of us have bigger bank accounts, some of us smaller. Some of us are struggling to make ends meet, others are living comfortably. And yet we are gathered here as equals in the eyes of love, in the eyes of God. And we're called not to create a community of winners and losers, but rather to create that community of grace that Jesus calls us into. And we invest not so that we can multiply our own wealth, but so that we can build one another up. We offer an alternative to the world of winners and losers, at least when we are at our best. We overcome our spiritual indigestion just enough that we can hear Christ calling to us as a community of grace and reach out to one another and to everyone out there with open hands and open hearts. Willing to invest not just a portion of who we are, but everything that we are and invest in love for the sake of the one who loves us, who saves us, and who will never leave us alone. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.